Hey everyone, welcome to Reformed Podmatics, hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. It's Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey, and this podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 51 of Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Mark. I'm Pastor Zach. And uh, we thank you for joining us for an episode that's uh, maybe a little bit late in in coming here. Um, We're trying to get things out on Tuesday mornings each week, but uh, occasionally there will be an episode that comes later in the day or maybe even later in the week. So thank you for Mm -hmm. your patience. Um, We do want to keep this going and uh, hopefully can continue releasing episodes each Tuesday on various topics of the Christian life. And today our topic is kind of thinking about a question that a lot of people in the church ask one another, um, or the question can be posed in a kind of an accusatory way from a non-believer to a Christian. And that question is, do you read the Bible literally? Um, I listened to a little talk by R.C. Sproul on this topic in preparation for the podcast, and uh, he he accurately, I think, describes the situation as usually not including a question first. It usually has kind of an accusation first. Um, basically, you don't read the Bible literally, do you? Um, <laughs> and so R.C. Sproul uh, gives some really good answers as to hmm how Christians should respond to that. And that's what we want to do in the podcast today is help you navigate how to read the Bible. How do we think about the Bible as we're reading it? Um, and so we'll, we'll get into some definitions. We'll talk a lot about our personal reading of the Bible and uh, hopefully throw a, a few nuggets of Reformed theology in there um, for good measure as well. Yeah, in some sense this is an apologetic episode yeah, then. Yeah. Uh, but it's also just a, we hope, a help in helping you read the Bible and yeah. to to get more out of it, to enjoy it. Um, this is something question, or this is a question Christians have always been wondering. How do we read the Bible well? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we want to do. And so this question of literalism um, often gets thrown around, and it gets used by people on both sides, either as an attack um, in order to sort of poke fun of your way of reading the scriptures mm-hmm. or as uh, a sort of way to boost your own confidence and I take the Bible literally you know I, I'm the one who's spiritually superior to all these other people who are playing you know playing games with scripture and mm-hmm. not actually taking it seriously um, and so that is a huge question that we want to ask how do we read the Bible so I want to start Mark just with mm-hmm. asking you how do you read the Bible uh. do you read it literally yeah say that somebody's asking you that question from R.C. Sproul uh, you don't read the Bible literally do you what well would you say I um I would always want to start with with saying mostly yes I do so I wouldn't want to dodge the question. I think that that would yeah. that's a kind of a problem that some more theologically liberal people fall into pretty quickly is they don't even they don't want to be seen as people who would do that mm-hmm. uh, 
because there's a lot of things that the Bible says that are truly amazing, supernatural, spectacular. They're miracles, um, mm-hmm. the plagues, the miracles of um, you know the Old Testament, of, of Jesus, of course, prophecies that we believe will, are, even if they are to be symbolically understood, will point to literal events like the return of Jesus to judge yeah. the living and the dead. And so I would say generally, yes, I, I do mm-hmm. try to read the Bible as literally as as it allows me to, um, mm-hmm. but even after saying that, I would want to shift things quickly into, I would rather describe the Bible than, mm-hmm. and if I can describe it accurately, then the how we should read it question it might not be completely solved, but it will be very clear after that how the Bible is to be read. If we mm-hmm. understand what the Bible actually is, um, then we will understand how it should be read. Yeah, and so um, I, I, I like to say I, I read the Bible uh, submissively, hmm. uh, humbly. I read it carefully, um, and the reason for that is, well, first of all, Scripture tells me to do that—to tremble at God's word. Hmm. Um, and beyond that, uh, there's a lot of blessing in reading it that way. I would say as well. Yeah, I think you make a really great point. We have to have a doctrine of Scripture. Everyone has a doctrine of Scripture, even an atheist. Yeah. Um, often these doctrines of Scripture are pretty precognitive. Uh, we were just talking before the, we started the episode um, about a 12-year-old kid growing up in the church. They, th- this, this kid will have a doctrine of Scripture. They may have not really thought about it in those terms, uh, but they will know that in some sense that this is a book from God. And mm-hmm. so... This is a book we take seriously, and it's a book that we ground our faith on. And so they will read this book with a trust in this book. Um, And so Mm -hmm. an atheist may have a doctrine of Scripture that says, no, this is just a human book, outdated. It's from 2,000 years ago, plus. um, A Bronze Age (laughs) collection of fables or something like that. It's mythological. It's it's not really scientific. Uh, and so, therefore, we can discard it, uh, and that's their. So that affects how they read the scriptures. Um, yeah, Richard so, Dawkins really plays on that. We, well, you don't worship Thor, you don't worship Zeus, and so let's go one god further and get rid of the god of the Bible as well. Yeah. Um, and you're just sort of lumping it all together. Yeah. Um, as hocus pocus. Yeah. So. As Christians, when we have a sort of settled understanding of what Scripture is, uh, according to Scripture, there is some circularity there, um, or of what revelation is from the Lord, Mm. this will greatly impact how we read the Bible, even amongst Christians. This is where I think it gets really interesting. Obviously, different kinds of Christians have different understandings of what Scripture is. Um, Often there's the sentimental view right mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. it's just god's love letter to me and mm-hmm. so i read a verse every morning and i just think about how much god loves me i keep it right by and, my bedside yeah. so that i'm safe all the time exactly yeah. i know that this is a sign that god loves me and and so that is our approach to scripture and it's it's grounded or based upon our understanding of what scripture is or if we have the understanding well yes it's it's inspired in some sense but it was written down by corrupt human beings, sinful human beings, just like us, they're imperfect. And so we have to sort of figure out what's good and what's not so good, what's true from what God is saying to us, but also what was 
sort of uh, twisted by the human writers of scripture. And so it sort of becomes a take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. We, we approach it like wisdom literature and not in the sense of Proverbs and Psalms and Job and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon, but as just sort of like, yeah, there's some wisdom here. I can take a little bit of this and take a little bit of that. And so you may read your Bible and get some interesting things out of it. And then you may read the Quran and get some interesting things out mm. of that. And then you may read some, some Nietzsche and get some interesting things out of him and mm. sort of come up with your own spiritualism. A la carte. Yeah. Religion, a la carte spirit, spirituality. Yep. Um, and so having these doctrines of scripture, um, really affects how we approach scripture and how we read it. And so, it's good to be clear with people about what we believe scripture is mm. um, and how we would d- describe scripture. Um, how would you say, or what would you say scripture is? This is a huge mm. question actually, uh, but what would you say, Mark? We can sort of build on each other's thoughts maybe about yeah. what scripture is. Is it just a love letter? <laughs> well, and this is uh, maybe to, to refresh too. It, it, this is, we, we do want to get to this question of do we read the bible literally but the overarching question is well what is it what is the bible and so that's kind of what we want to establish first here before we even get to how we should read and so but the bible says obviously about itself that all scripture is god breathed and then it gives uh paul gives to timothy a nice um application of that it because it's god breathed it's useful for teaching it's useful for shaping our faith it's useful for correcting us for training us mm-hmm. in righteousness and so all scripture is god breathed that that has a lot of connotation to it it's a, such a great word because um mm-hmm. it's a full word it it means that it is perfect i believe he's referring there to the perfection of the bible mm-hmm. so god um breathed this word into existence um, in a really special way so that his church could be built up mm-hmm. and so that the gospel can be proclaimed accurately and powerfully. And so um, God breathed this word, the scriptures, and as Paul is writing this, there certainly was an Old Testament canon, um, but we would apply that same belief to the New Testament, of course, as well, that, that all scripture from Genesis to Revelation is perfect, God-breathed, useful, authoritative, um, and uh, therefore trustworthy. So hmm. that that's a lot of descriptive words. What what would you want to point out if you were teaching people about the nature of Scripture? Yeah, um, I would add to that uh, that it is it is clear then because hmm. God speaks clearly. God does not speak. Um, confusingly or confusedly <laughs> yeah. um he he is he does not go back on himself uh he is ever the same uh he's never consistent. changing uh, yeah. so he's consistent yeah. and so we well, that really affects how we read scripture uh, when we see what appears to us to be discrepancies or contradictions the problem is not with the scripture the problem is with us uh, with our limited understanding and so we will have to then search for um, valid explanations for for certain discrepancies that we that we find, mm-hmm. uh, and, and th- there there are discrepancies. Um, sometimes in the Gospels, you'll see 
a different number of people who are witness to an event or who are decided to be present at a certain time. Um, yeah, so one yeah one of the favorite discrepancies, or I, I would call them paradoxes, would be the the sign above Jesus' head. You know, the different hmm. gospels, which it it's perfectly possible that all of them yeah. actually can be correct. Yeah. Um, and so the the paradoxes of scripture aren't as though. In Genesis, it says two plus two equals four, and then in Exodus, it says two plus two equals five. Mm-hmm. Um, they are uh, <laughs> they are paradoxes, uh, and Martin Lloyd Jones has a great sermon on this um, about the antinomies of Scripture. Yeah. Antinomy isn't really a word that a lot of people use anymore, but no, it's, not. It, it's a it means tension, uh, yeah. two different ideas that are really in tension with each other, uh, and even the nature of God, His. His judgment and his wrath, his anger about sin, always being in tension with <laughs> his love, the mercy, his, yeah. his forbearance, his patience. Um, there would be verses that you could pick out from jo- um, from Joshua that would really emphasize the the wrath of God over sin, <laughs> and then there would be verses that you could pick out of First John, like God is love. And so, the problem isn't the Bible, the problem isn't God, but um, the problem yeah. is like just like you said really well, our fallible understanding at times yeah and we have to work those those things out yeah. and actually with that the, the people who say that there are so many contradictions are often you know progressive or more materialistic athe- atheists um secularists who want to point out flaws in the bible right so they'll use mm-hmm. this argument of oh there's contradictions here uh, there's tensions there's discrepancies um Often they point those things out while working on a literalist framework of scripture <laughs> themselves. Yeah. Um, and so they, they lack, I would say, an imagination uh, where you can imagine that the sign above Jesus' head on the cross, even though one gospel will say it says one thing and another says it says another thing, they could both be true and that's not a big problem yeah, yeah. Uh, that it does, that doesn't invalidate scripture just you can just, if you just use your imagination a little bit you could see how these things can both be true at once especially if the different gospels are written for different audiences right yeah and so, so emphasize, that, that's a good point different things um but, but I, I love the point though about the over literal interpretation of certain things because i think if one thinks well i hmm. must interpret every verse literally um what that ends up doing is it's probably getting you into trouble in certain yeah. cases where it's actually not meant to be interpreted that way. And so yes. the, the skeptic will purposely do that almost. I, I don't know if yeah. I'll purposely might be too, putting it too strongly, but we'll do that in places where really there's a lot of wisdom to understand the meaning of a principle or mm-hmm. uh, something that, that one is learning there and then almost uh, allegorize other parts of the Bible that are meant to be understood quite literally, like a miracle story, turning water into wine, and so forth. Yeah. So it's really a flipping of the the interpretive um, framework. Yeah. And that's another thing. We could go into that whole history of allegorical interpretation. There are a lot of different ways Christians have, have interpreted Scripture. But I think a lot of it comes down to recognizing genre, mm-hmm. um, recognizing what the intention of the original author and what they were trying to get across. Um, should we read Revelation the same way we read the Gospel of John? They were written by the same person. 
but no, we should not. No. They're obviously meant to be read differently. Should we read the Psalms the same way we read, we, we read Genesis? No, n- not necessarily. Um, there's some, there are some Psalms that recount history and tell the story mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of God's redemption, especially in Exodus. Yep. Um, so we can read those as history, uh, but the Psalms are doing different things or the Proverbs are, are doing very drastically different things than what the book of Romans are doing. Yeah. Exodus, uh, there's uh, no law book <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah. And so we have to just be paying attention to what genre we're reading, what, what the aim of the author is. And that should really focus how we read scripture as well. Uh, does this mean that everything will be resolved? <laughs> no. Um, scripture even though it's clear and it's it's understandable, it doesn't mean that there aren't things that are difficult to perceive. Uh, there's the famous verse that often gets pointed out from Second Peter three, uh, I believe it's three sixteen, where Peter talks about how we love the Apostle Paul, but some things he writes are difficult to understand. <laughs> um, so he 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 acknowledges that there are some difficult things. That doesn't mean you can't understand yeah. them, yeah. Um, but when we have this doctrine of God and the doctrine of how uh, scripture works, what, what God is doing through scripture that really begins to help us to see that uh, we should read scripture wholly. Uh, we should read it completely. Uh, we shouldn't use it as a, just a little horoscope guide to our day. Yeah. Um, we shouldn't read it um, as a textbook um, to try to pull out, different things that support what we already think or believe. Um, but we should try to listen to it submissively. And so this means listening to it in context, reading a whole book of the Bible. Um, mm. And when you can't come come to a conclusion on something, when something seems difficult, reading other scripture uh, to help you think through it, other passages that are talking about a similar subject, um, hmm. consulting others, getting, getting others involved. And in, in the reading of Scripture, I think it's it's so important to recognize, too, that often our misinterpretation of Scripture is not because Scripture is lacking, but because our Bible knowledge might just be lacking. Hmm. So maybe we just haven't yet connected a, a Scripture with the kind of explanation that you might find of that text hmm. in another place in the Bible. Um, hmm. I, I think that's that's one of the big errors that I often see among atheists, particularly among like uh, when, when challenging things like sexual ethics, um, people Mm. would say, Oh, well um, there's all these food laws in the old Testament. And then there's all these other laws and there seems to be some (laughs) sexual ethical laws um, in the old Testament. And so what do we do with that? And that's just, an argument made from biblical illiteracy because yeah. all that that answer is right in the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. How do we differentiate between the ceremonial law and the moral law? It, it's yeah. really not a hard question to answer, and so um, that that's an issue where the um, the skeptic will say, "Oh, look, you don't interpret all this literally or even seriously, do you? Because you're you'd be you'd be a, hip- a hypocrite if you do. Well, no, you yeah, just need to read shellfish. more of the Bible, yeah, yeah. Or, or you know, having different cloth types in your garment. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, that's an argument made from biblical illiteracy, not because somebody has just found the silver bullet 
that to shoot through the Bible and it's hmm. no good anymore. Um, I think that that is honestly, even even for you and Isaac, I'm sure that's why we would occasionally misinterpret parts of Scripture is because yeah. Oh, yeah. we just haven't made that connection yet between um, an Old Testament text and the life of Christ or a miracle of Jesus and some sort of theological point that Paul is making. Hmm. Like there's, it's it's so hyperlinked. That's why I love listening to Bible teachers, yeah. pastors, theologians who just know it much better than I do. And yeah. they've spent more than my whole lifetime. I'm only 31. They've spent some of them 40, 50, 60 years mm-hmm. uh, studying scripture. Um, I've only, I could say, seriously been studying scripture for about nine or 10 years. Mm. Um, and. So I have a lot to learn. And so there's a lot of biblical echoes that I'll be reading a New Testament passage. I'll start studying it, coming up with my own thoughts, and then I'll listen to what some other person says, and they'll show brand new vistas that I never even saw that were there. They'll show connections between a passage and an Old Testament passage. Just this happened a few months ago. I was listening to a podcast from my friend Ben from seminary uh, that his church puts out. I think it's just called New City Podcast or something like that. Hmm. Um, and he was pointing out connections between the feeding of the 5,000 and Psalm 23. Oh, um, yeah. Cool. And so one of the connections he made was how it points that it points out um, in the gospel narratives that the people are gathered on green grass. Mm-hmm. And he's wondering why, yeah. why is this grass green? Why does it's grass is green? Why is that pointed out here? <laughs> Yeah, a but color is almost never mentioned. Then there's the in connection the that yeah. oh, um, that that same color is mentioned in in Psalm 23, mm. uh, green pastures. Yeah, and so he starts making these these connections about shep- He's a shepherd. Uh, these are pe- these are people with these are sheep without a shepherd. Jesus says, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and how that shepherd imagery points back to Psalm 23 as well. Uh, so it's very interesting stuff like that that I would have not not noticed on my own, I don't think. Uh, but my friend who has studied the Psalms very deeply over the past five years mm. noticed it right away. Well, and with that's a great example because I think what some people would do is say, oh, because Jesus sees them on the hill and they're like sheep without a shepherd, and because it mentions the color green and he feeds them, well, then the whole thing must be allegory. Hmm. The, like because it's so saturated with symbolism, um, uh, people do this. Uh, Protestant liberal theologians do this all the time. Um, they would allegorize the whole thing, and, and this didn't actually happen. Yeah, this this must the not miracle have happened didn't happen because there's so much powerful symbolism in the story itself. Yeah. Um, again, to prepare for this podcast, I listened to. Um, I don't even think he's a Christian, but some guys take on uh, the road to Emmaus hmm. and and how Jesus used stories from the Old Testament to teach about himself. And therefore, that's hmm. that was the ministry of Jesus. So this guy didn't even talk about the resurrection, um, but he basically was trying to say that was the ministry of Jesus was to teach allegorically and symbolically um, who he is or what he represents or fulfills. So... Hmm. That is a, a teaching that people would hear out in the world, and um, it's just—it's actually not Christian. It, it it has a low view of the Bible. It's hmm. often 
kind of a weaselly way of getting your way out of some of the laws of Scripture, hmm. believing in the miracles of Scripture, um, which is a requirement, of course, of being a Christian. If you go right down the Apostles' Creed, you will quickly find you must believe in miracles in order to be mm-hmm. a Christian. <laughs> and um, and so I, yeah. I I like the example of the feeding the 5,000 because it is one that I've heard mm-hmm. interpreted allegorically. And because the Bible has some allegory, some people would say it must all be allegorical yeah. or symbolic. Um, I don't think that we have to choose one or the other that... Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, again, has a uh, a great sermon on Acts chapter 3 where there's a, a man begging by the, the temple door and he's he's begging for alms and Peter and, and John say, well, we don't have gold, but what we have we'll give to you. That's in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And so yeah. Lloyd-Jones is really clear. We believe this happened. This is a miracle. But yeah. we can also find that it is kind of a parable as well. In addition yeah. to a literal event, yeah. it's also a parable. Um, and so Noah's Ark, we believe, is r- really literal, but mm-hmm. it's also an amazing parable about the work of Christ and how yeah. when we're kept in him, we're, we're sustained and even saved from, from sin and from a storm. And so yeah, um, that's a great I, point. I, I like that approach to Scripture is to say, um, these narrative texts, we believe, really happened, but they also have a symbolic helpful teaching about the kingdom of God or about the Christian life. Yeah, so when we think about gospel stories, that's this is constantly on my mind when I read the gospels, the healings. Some people would say this just means Christians need to go out and do healings. They need to uh, heal people. If somebody has a broken leg, heal it on the spot in Jesus' name. And so they take it very literally. Hmm. That may or may not be a legitimate reading of it. Um, some people just want to say, and this means Jesus heals us spiritually. And so mm-hmm. come to Jesus. Um, and it's both of those taken to their extreme can seem incorrect in different ways to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but yes, this, this did happen. Jesus can heal. He does heal. Um, and he heal, he heals the different broken parts of our lives. Um, that's much oversimplified probably, but... Uh, well, that gets to... We can the, have our cake and eat it too, essentially. Yeah. And it gets to the error really of both sides. It's just to spiritualize, which right. is an error, or just to take something literally yeah. um, without trying to use your mind mm-hmm. to be mature, to be wise in application. Yeah, I think that that's probably one of the the errors of the the literalist um, yeah. that just looks particularly at prophecy yep. and um, uh, reads through parts of Revelation or Ezekiel or Daniel and and is so literal that in a way they've sort of checked their brain out um, and yeah. instead of working through things and trying to understand them as they are meant to be understood. Um, it can just be kind of a way of turning your brain off, I think, at a certain point, which sounds kind of harsh, I guess, but mm. I do think that that needs to be confronted often in particularly evangelical culture. So in summarizing all of this up then, what are some things we want to we wanna leave? I think yeah. one good thing is have a doctrine of Scripture in your mind. 
have a mature doctrine of scripture in your mind. Think about that. What is scripture? Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of different ways people will try to explain it. Scripture is a grand story. That's true as far as it goes. Often that can be mm-hmm. manipulated in different yep. ways. Yep. Uh, scripture is a love letter, as I've said already. Um, kind of, not, yeah. not necessarily. Uh, I don't know how you... That kind of just makes it for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but what what are the different characteristics of Scripture? Uh, what are the origins of Scripture? Hmm. Uh, I think that's one of my big takeaways from this episode is if we have a strong doctrine of Scripture, that will greatly impact how we read Scripture for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It's a more interesting question, I, I, I would yeah. say, it, than than just do you take the Bible literally? Well, mostly, yes, I do. But I would rather talk about what the Bible even is. Yeah. And so I, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, and when I, you have that idea that it's from God, then it yeah. really makes you want to be humble and submissive to it. Yeah. Um, even where you disagree. An interesting thing here as a sort of a side point would be um, uh, head coverings for women. Yeah. Um, is that a passage most people want to really take seriously? I mean, that's not the best way of asking that question, but a lot of people just read that and think there's no way. There's no way that it could possibly mean that today I must wear a head covering, and so I'm going to intentionally interpret this in a way that mm. sort of gets me off the hook here. Yeah. Um, now, I think we can come to a conclusion, actually, that says we don't have to wear head coverings. Um, yeah, Mike Heiser's Naked Bible Podcast, he talks about this for an hour. <laughs> and uh, it is very interesting, the cultural understanding of head coverings in the Greco-Roman world. Yeah. Um, it, it sort of, hair was seen by many people as even, sounds strange, as a sexual organ. Hmm. And uh, he explains all of it he, through medical journals and things like that. That's but to cover the head was to be modest hmm. um, in the same way that covering your body is to be modest. Hmm. And so... Um, Anyways, the point that the reason I bring that up is you study it a little, you understand the principle, which is modesty, yeah, which is still there, of course, and, yeah. and should be taught. But um, the literalist might run into some trouble in applying that helpfully today. Yeah, because it, you're you're gonna lose the actual meaning at a certain point if you just think, hmm. oh, I could cover my head and then I've got this. No, you're actually starting to lose the purpose of yeah. of the principle, um, yeah. which is modesty. Yeah, and the the point I wanted to make there with that is that we should be comfortable with saying, you know what, even if I mm. land on it saying I should wear head coverings, so be it. I'll wear yeah. the head coverings. Yeah, that should be our attitude and posture. Uh, but that doesn't mean we we just have to say, oh well, it seems pretty clearly to be talking about how I need to wear head coverings, and so I need to wear head coverings. Um, we can think through it. We can have yeah. a mature conversation and really think and maybe go listen to that Mike Heiser podcast or <laughs> there's plenty of other things out there. Yep. We should not be afraid to obey scripture um, to the best of our abilities, even when it seems to go against our sensibilities or our desires, our comfort. Um, we should have that sort of very humble approach to scripture. Um, and yeah. And because we take it seriously, we can wrestle with things like head coverings. Right. Um, yeah. And is it really authoritative is sort of what I, I hear you saying. Is it really yeah. going to shape my life? Um, if 
for those who are listening who are believers, if you have been reading the Bible for a long time and you have changed nothing yeah. in your life, you you probably <laughs> are not reading it as seriously as you should be. Um, yeah. If you've listened to sermons for years and years and nothing has changed in your life, it still looks like kind of a middle-class American go-to-work Monday through Friday, do your thing on your weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of life that you're caught up in. Then yeah. uh, there, there's some challenge that needs to be found in Scripture. Um, mm-hmm. And so I like I like the word seriously, uh, yeah. just like what you said Reading earlier. Seriously. We read the Bible seriously. We submit ourselves to it. Um, that's sort of my final thought for the podcast is um, that God desires... Bible readers who tremble at the word. That's Isaiah 66, verse 2. Who have a contrite heart before God. Hmm. Um, And so the person who scoffs at literal Bible reading does not have a contrite heart, is not trembling at the word of God. Somebody who um, dismisses um, complementarian texts or uh, texts that deal with sexual ethics or the conquest of, of Canaan, somebody who just really scoffs at that hmm. as if they know better than God yeah. um, is somebody who is not reading the Bible correctly at all. And and I have a greater concern about their heart than just sort of about the, their mind and how they're understanding mm-hmm. the facts of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, um, it's that, it is that person sometimes who prides themselves on a literal interpretation who maybe doesn't tremble at the word as much as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we tremble at it, I think that means we're going to study it really hard. And yeah. and we're going to try to understand exactly what the principle is underneath uh, every verse, every book of the Bible. And so yeah. to, to me, that is the most important question. Even more than do you read the Bible literally is, are you trembling at the word of God? Are you, yeah. do you live in the fear of the Lord? And trembling and fear sound like scare words. <laughs> But they're really respect, submissiveness, humility before God is, yeah. is what that's getting at. Yeah, totally. And so in weeks ahead, we will be coming back to this this mm-hmm. uh, topic. Um, I don't know if it'll be next week or the week after that, but we'll get back to it to pick up where we left off. And we want to look at uh, some specific sort of test case scenarios, different passages uh, that often seem a little clear, but aren't as clear as they may appear or they are very clear but people want to make them a little bit less clear than they are (laughs) and so we'll look at that and and think through uh, how to read scripture in those sorts of situations all right so thanks for listening everyone um we are kind of starting a new project here with reform podmatics where we are trying (laughs) to record episodes that are a little bit shorter and um we might even do I think something they can like, hear the cheers right yeah, now. Do, I can hear do, people <laughs> sighing in relief. Hear the cheers of our wives. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, we uh, might break uh, episodes up into different sections. Um, and so just like Zach said, we'll mm-hmm. probably revisit this in the next few weeks um, to think a little bit deeper about how to interpret the Bible. But mm-hmm. um, thank you for listening and um, yeah. spread the word if uh, you'd be so kind to, to share with somebody if this has been helpful to you. Yeah, Hopefully totally. it could be helpful to somebody else too. So thank you for listening and have a great rest of your week. Grace and peace, you guys.